Welcome to episode 121 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Um, I know that something that Sometimes my tips are things that I'm trying to be better at, like organizing. So today it is sending homework. It is something I am not great at, partly because it's another thing to do, partly because I don't think it ever gets done, but I know it's important for that carryover for a lot of our students. And it can be tricky sometimes to figure out how to send it over teletherapy because you can't, you know, go put it in their backpack or their folder and send them out the door. Um, but in some ways it can be easier because you have a lot of those things are online already. So uh, Stacy Krause always is giving us great advice. And she mm-hmm. had a blog post recently about sending homework and how to send homework digitally. So some of her ideas were take and send a screenshot. I liked that because mm-hmm. it's really quick and you could specifically show the parent like how they did on the worksheet, where they left off on the worksheet. And um, it's, you know, painless to just do that real quick, attach it to an email and send that off to a parent. Another thing that she talks about is sending a boom card deck. Um, This is something I have done. I always, I'm at the like free level of boom cards. So I pay for the individual boom cards, but I don't pay to keep track of my kids on boom cards. And it's worked so well so far, but I will sometimes use that um, fast link feature to send that to parents and have them practice the same thing that we've been doing at home or you know, do the same sound, a different game. So the um, child's still working on those skills. Uh, Another thing that she talks about is sharing files using Google Drive. Uh, So she has some great, like, bigger speech sound books. um, And Mm -hmm. it, it has, you know, kids telling stories about themselves. So you can send that home and the parents can help them upload pictures and put all of the things in there for that. Um, And then she just plain old sending the PDFs of whatever file you were working on to is something that you can do. And she has lots of ideas for she has calendars and everything for different ideas for that you can send as a PDF for homework. So I know as a parent, it's something sometimes it's, you know, another thing to do. But if it's something that's fun and something that can be included in something we would do anyways. Like if we're already going to do read out louds, then working on their sounds during read out louds, those are the things that as a parent will actually get done. So I'm always trying to think of things like that, that kind of integrate into it. But that's a couple tips about how to do it in telepractice and those things home. I think that's great. And, and you do it digitally. They can always go back and look at it. Right. Exactly. It's It's not going to get, shoved in the bottom of a backpack and then end up in the garbage. That's right. You, you find it, you know, two weeks later, all yep. crumbled up and yep. destroyed. <laughs> well, yeah, those are, those are great tips. And, uh, and, and those, you know, for, for parents and, and even for me, but like grad students and sharing stuff and making sure they follow through. So yeah, yeah I like all that. Yeah. Um, last week I mentioned that they, was it the Council on Clinical Certification in Audiology and Speech-Language Pathology? I said ASHA came out with the standards, but it's actually the Council 
preclinical certification in audiology and speech language pathology. So they came out with their uh, accommodations to the 2020 standards for certification in speech language pathology. So what I'm getting at is that they made some changes uh, in regards to telepractice. And so what they have basically said, and this uh, would be uh, in effect for uh, applicants who begin their graduate program or clinical fellowship experiences on or after January 1st, 2023. So coming up. And so just a quick summary is that the overview of the SLP supervised clinical practicum options. So this is still in grad school, must include 25 hours of guided observation, must include at least 250 hours of direct, on-site, in-person clinical experience, may include up to 125 hours of telepractice. Nice. May include up to 75 hours of clinical simulation and may include up to 50 hours of super, supervised clinical practicum at the undergraduate level, which was that's new. And then jumping over here, excuse me, to the SLP clinical fellowship direct client patient contact hours, what they have said. Uh, for the clinical fellowship year is that it must include at least 75% direct on-site in-person care and care management activities. May include up to 25% telepractice and telepractice-related care management. I see your face. You see my uh, face. I see your face. You're making faces. I am. Um, it says, a little note there, request for clinical fellowship experiences with more than 25% telepractice can be made to the CFCC. Hmm. So you have to appeal if you want to do more than the 25%. Right. And it has others like uh, must include at least three hours of in-person direct supervision per mentor per segment and up to mm -hmm. three hours of direct supervision per mentor per segment may occur via telesupervision using a video conferencing platform. Okay, so they're not limiting how much because, it, it, right, it was three hours have to be done and all three hours could be over. Mm -hmm. Well, it says up to three hours of direct. Okay. But okay. must include three hours of at least three hours of in person. Okay. Direct supervision. And then up to three hours of direct supervision per mentor per segment via telesupervision. Okay. But go, going back to your um, reaction there, may include <laughs> up to 25% telepractice and telepractice related care management activities. Right. So that's right. the new thing. Um, I think that's low with right. some of these positions that are out there now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've, I have had people ask, like, can you do, can a CFY apply for a telepractice position? Right. And it's sounding like that you, you couldn't be doing pure all telepractice, which is upsetting because I have <laughs> just mm -hmm. 
personally, I have a school right now that mm-hmm. I cannot cover by myself. I need another person. And we don't right. have enough people with licenses to cover the school. It is mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and right. there's not someone who can be there in person to do it. And so to be limiting that um, by, you know, for CFYs and for other people that would be interested in the field, I that's frustrating to me. <laughs> Yeah, I think it is a little frustrating in, in the sense that um, I think if someone chooses that, you know, they want to be a telepractitioner and that's right, they, they have a passion for that and this is what right. they want to do. Right. And they've gotten some experience in grad school and now it's time to get out there in the world and this is what they really want, then they should have the opportunity to do their CFY that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah. I, I like the changes in terms of the graduate programs. I do core. like that. I think yeah. That's good. I think this we need to revisit or at least give some feedback to um to Asha. And you can mm-hmm. uh you can actually contact certification at asha.org with any questions or concerns. And yeah. so those people who who are looking at the whole CFY component here right? and want to provide feedback, just send some emails to certification at asha.org. Great. So, yeah. So we're making progress. For sure. For sure. I I do really like those, the hour increase for um, under graduate school level mm -hmm. coursework. Yeah. I think all that that's looking good. Um, mm-hmm. but some of this other stuff, I think we, we need to better inform, or at least it would be helpful to understand their reasoning. Right. So well, why it, is it, it only 25%? Exactly. Exactly. And it did have that caveat that you can, you know, you can apply and ask for an exception for that. And maybe if enough people start doing that, that they'll realize, oh, this is something that people want to do for their CFY. Right. I think I really do think that should be the choice. It should be the the individual's choice. Right. They should be able to decide where they want to work and what kind of position they want to apply to. And if they're told up front that's a hundred percent telepractice, then that we should be able to accommodate that mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. our certification process, through the CFY process. Yep. Anyway, well. That's about it. On the show today, we have an Australian, one of those people. Yes. <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have Laura Green, who's joining us, and she's going to be talking about uh, some um, materials and, and video and online uh, materials, uh, I guess, website. She has a website yep. uh, for Lipsy Lou. And Lipsy Lou is a great resource for parents and and children that have language delays and speech delays so and literacy of course and she's going to talk about what all that is about and um we'll hear from laura hi are you creative do you want to give a webinar or teach a course maybe you're a writer Do you want to create a blog? Maybe you have an idea for a podcast. Whatever your passion is, we at 3C Digital Media Network want you to be a content creator so we can bring your ideas to life. So, to get started, 
visit our website at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com and sign up to be a content creator. We look forward to seeing your passions come to life on our platform. Well, Laura, welcome to the podcast all the way from Australia. It's great having you on. Can you share more about your background? Yes, I certainly can. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So I am a speech pathologist who graduated from the University of Sydney in 2010. Um, During that time, I was lucky enough to do a placement at a school Um, And this was a little bit unique because at this school, we got to go in and work alongside teachers and we got to do some whole class programming. So once I graduated, I decided that I really wanted to work in a school. Um, There there weren't a lot of positions available. So I was living in Sydney at the time and something became available in Melbourne. Uh, So I, yeah, saw that, I applied. It was a really unique school in that um, they had what they called a support centre within Mm -hmm. the mainstream school. So basically children that did have disabilities um, and needed some extra support, they could move in and out of the support centre but then be amongst, you know, potentially doing their sport and their drama um, Mm -hmm. in the mainstream school. So it was really nice, um, a really great model. Uh, So They didn't actually have a speech pathologist before me. Uh, So as a new graduate, it was a bit of a challenge coming into that and going, okay, well, how am I going to (laughs) service a school of this size? There was per year level about 150 kids. um, And it was in a really low, quite a low socioeconomic area. So we did have a lot of kids that were coming in that did have, um, I guess, vulnerable background so they were coming in with lower language um and yeah so I quickly thought okay I'm gonna have to be a little bit creative rather than my one-to-one therapy that I'm very Mm -hmm. used to and this is my opportunity to start working with teachers start building oral language programs start building early literacy programs um yeah so I'd go into the classrooms and I'd do my little puppet shows and it was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Um, And then obviously there was the children that still needed that one-to-one therapy. So I guess, yeah, we were were able to service a lot of the children, but then select those kids that did really need that one-to-one intervention. Um, Mm -hmm. So after that, I moved into, I was there at the school for five years and then moved into private practice for a while. Um, And again, this private practice was also quite unique in that I got to work alongside psychologists and Mm. occupational therapists and we used to do quite a lot of group therapy. So um, at that time, a lot of, you know, social skills groups, um, Mm. which I know is something that we're, (laughs) you know, figuring out at the moment as far as where to go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I ended up, yeah, at another little school in um, Sydney, which was a private school. And it's, I was working as a private practitioner there and um, I was really hoping to get in amongst the classrooms or hoping to get in amongst the teachers, but I was getting a little bit of resistance there and that they wanted the old school um, model, that one-to-one. And I I was getting a little bit (laughs) frustrated with that because I'd seen the power that speech pathology 
as professionals can have in the classroom, that huge impact that we can have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I moved away from that. Now I am at a lovely clinic um, locally to where I live. Uh, a couple of days a week, I've got a beautiful team there that um, I work alongside with. And then on the side, I'm doing my Lipsy Lou learning project. Yeah, with, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely want to hear more about that. So we were always kind of curious, how did you discover the field of of speech-language pathology? I wish that I had a more glamorous tale for this one. (laughs) Does it involve a bar or being intoxicated or something like that? No? Okay. Well, no, no. Please, come on. Us Australians, we don't drink. What do you mean? Oh, no, 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 no. Let me tell you. This is this is what someone has told us. This is this is the person who is Canadian, mm-hmm. who's been on the show before, and they said that when we settled the North America, when everyone left Europe and left England, the nice people went to Canada. The fun people mm-hmm. went to Australia. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, so no, no bar, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I mean, at the time, I was 17, so. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, actually, no, I, I, no, I would have actually been 18. So, yeah, it was legal where in Australia it was legal. So, but basically, I wanted to be an actress. Oh, so, wow. Mm, yes, but my parents were a little bit concerned about that at the time. They thought, mm-hmm. you know, that's a very difficult profession. You've got to need, need mm-hmm. a lot of luck. Plus, they didn't want to see me going all the way to the States, to Hollywood, you know, leaving them. <laughs> um, so they said, why don't you look for something else for now? Look for a profession and then, sorry, not the acting son, <laughs> but look for something that you can go and study and you can have the sure. degree and then you can always fall back on that. So you can try mm-hmm. out your acting and then you can fall back on something. And, you know, being the compliant <laughs> Australian I was, I thought, okay, well, that does sound like good advice. Um, so I went to a careers night and they had that at our school and they had all these little, you know, desks set up with the labels of whatever it does. And there was a big line at the marketing one. There was a big line at advertising. There was a big line <laughs> <laughs> to talk to the dentist. And then there was a speech pathologist. And I thought, oh don't know much about speech pathology so and, and, and there no was line. no line yeah <laughs> so you chose it by the shortest line <laughs> oh, yes and I'm so glad I did you know yeah. that's good <laughs> so I went and spoke, yeah I went and spoke to her and she, she said you know what, what are you interested in and I told her I want to be an actress but and she said okay well you know you can work with voice and you can work with mm-hmm. politicians you can work alongside and she said what else do you like and I said well I also, you know, I do want to do something that gives back to people as well. So she, you know, yeah, she kind of convinced me on the spot and I'd never looked back. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. That's I wish I had her name, actually. I'd have to write to her and say thank you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's that's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So let's let's talk about uh, the technology. So where do the interests come from in wanting to do something like Lipsy Lou? And, you know, kind of give us a little bit of background on that. And then let's talk about what it does specifically. <laughs> 
Well, I guess what's so great about technology, which is, you know, what we're, we've been able to do right now is the amount of reach that it has. Right. Yeah. Um, I've always thought, you know, as speech pathologists, we have such amazing skills um, that if we could share that with as many people as possible, um, wouldn't that be fantastic? Because even I think not, being working in the whole classroom, I think I realised, yes, it's beneficial for those children that do have delays, but it's also really beneficial for those kids that don't have delays. So, um, I yeah, I sort of thought, okay, well, I really want to get the teachings of speech pathology out there and, you know, that real, um, all that knowledge about early literacy skills and phonological awareness. And um, there's a lot of videos, I think, that go into other things like counting or the, the letter names, the alphabet, but less so when it comes to the sounds and how they're made. And, um, yeah, so... Technology to me was something that I was not very familiar with. I feel like I've always been slightly technologically challenged. <laughs> um, but I thought, okay, well, I know who is able to use technology and that's um, the TV networks. <laughs> so it actually started with me trying to pitch um, a television show. To oh, the interesting. Networks. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Tried to combine your your two yeah, careers that's that you awesome. wanted. I like that's that. That's awesome. Exactly, exactly. Because I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we had a character on television that represented the mouth and like kids could see where all these sounds were produced? And wouldn't it be cool if we had, mm -hmm. do you have, you have colourful semantics? Do you use colourful semantics much over there as far as um, sentence structure? So what, no. what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> That's Australian for what? <laughs> I've gone off track. I think it started in the UK. It's actually quite, really cool. It's it's basically building sentences but using colours. Oh, so each okay. of the parts yeah. of the sentences, yeah. um, yeah, are represented by a different colour. Anyway, gotcha. so I thought, wouldn't mm -hmm. that be cool if that was on TV? And anyway, right. so yeah, so then <laughs> that didn't work. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't want my idea. They, they thought, who's this big pathologist coming in here thinking that she's going to start a television show? Like, okay. Hey, if it's not, if it's not Teletubbies, they don't want it. You know. <laughs> There, I should have done Tally. Oh, I should have dressed right. up. Um, there is a there's a show on uh, PBS here in the states that's called Super Y, and it has some like some things that I I listen to it when my kids watch it, and I'm like, oh, people don't even realize that that's like phonological awareness, and they've made mm -hmm. some some things fun like that. But yes, I agree. Oh, like boy. finding ways to make that fun and make kids feel like they're not learning, make them not even realize that they're learning it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because I, I guess, yeah, I started looking into the research as far as it showed that children up until the age of five don't actually know if what they're watching is educational. So mm -hmm. I thought, how cool to take advantage of that, you know? Right, right. <laughs> they'll, they'll just watch anything. So, but then obviously there's concerns around screen time. So that's where I thought, yep. okay, I'm going to mm -hmm. have to try and figure out how I can balance this in terms of being okay with screen time. Um mm -hmm but making sure that it's really quality and educational. So I thought, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start creating my own videos where I will target particular goals within those videos, but do it in like a really playful way um, mm -hmm. and do it in a way that we do in the clinic. So use what strategies I mm -hmm. use in the clinic, in the videos. 
Um, so what I started with, because I found that, that when I was working in the schools, a lot of kids were coming into um, kindergarten and they just had a slight delay with, um, yeah, their language expressive and receptive. They just needed a little boost. So mm-hmm. I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we could give like, I guess, some form of intervention, but um, on, on yeah, again, on a bigger scale. Right. That being said, it's, yeah, never going to replace a speech pathologist because ultimately they need that one-to-one. Um, but I just thought, yeah, for those people that potentially can't access uh, one-to-one services, whether it's because they're on wait lists or whether they're in a rural area or whether it's affordability, um, wouldn't it be great if they could access something? So basically the idea is that I'm uh, creating programs that are targeting specific areas or specific age groups um, and targeting the developmental speech pathology goals within that age group. So so how does it work? How do you access it? Yeah, so what I've created now is Mm -hmm. a website. It's an online Mm -hmm. platform. Um, And ultimately, you come onto the website and there's different courses available. So at the moment, it's our Kickstart Kindy course, which does cover 20 plus areas. So it does cover, it looks at, yeah, vocabulary, attention and listening. Um, It looks at oral language, so putting sentences together. It looks at our early literacy skills. I've got Mm -hmm. a couple of little social skills in there as well. Um, and then things like comprehension, so inferencing and predicting at that really early stage and then being able to answer all the WH questions. Um, yeah, so they just jump online. At the moment, it's targeted for it's yeah, targeting parents. Um, so the parent will buy the program and then weekly they get two episodes to watch. Um, there's 12 episodes in total, so it's a six-week program. Um, they'll watch two episodes and then they get resources that go with those episodes to reinforce the three to five goals. So, um, yeah, so there are worksheet options for them, but I know that Mm -hmm. a big challenge for us in the clinic is, you know, families finding the time to do the homework. Um, So I also created something called on-the-go activities, which was basically giving three scenarios that, families are often involved with so whether it's you know grocery shopping or bath time Mm -hmm. or at the playground and then just giving them some ideas in those settings of how they can reinforce what we've yeah been looking in looking at in the episodes um yeah yeah so and then basically it drops every week the content and they um at the end are encouraged to go back to the areas that they found that their child was having more difficulty with so that's how it works at the moment awesome (laughs) great great so Um, I know that you said right now it's directed um to parents do you have any like vision or ideas of how speech language pathologists could also like use or utilize this content definitely so Basically, because initially I thought I'm going to build a big platform with lots of contents and it'll be a subscription-based model where people can come in and select the different um, areas that they like to work on. Uh But that was going to take a lot of time and I 
I guess first I wanted to make sure that it was something that people actually wanted and wanted to use and were enjoying using. Um, So basically there's a lot of content building happening in the background um, that I would ultimately love for speech pathologists to almost be able to curate their own program for the child that they're seeing. So if it's a case of they're going to see a child um, and, yeah, be looking at syllables and WH questions, then mm-hmm. potentially they'll select those little snippets from the episodes and then that child can potentially watch them during the week as mm-hmm. part of their homework practice. Um, yeah. And or if it's a case of, I guess, you know, sometimes in Australia we've got services that are really overwhelmed and they can't necessarily give therapy but they can give an assessment. So can they then curate a program that the child could go away with until they're able to be seen in the clinic. Yep. Oh, we have that in the States too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh you do? <laughs> it's okay. a problem. It's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's the thing. People, as soon as they're assessed, they really want to do something now. And I think it's right. it's a really, it's a pain point for parents in terms of really having to wait. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I guess I'd also, you know, see the snippets being used on in telepractice as far as something entertaining sure. within the, session as well mm-hmm. right. Um, right yeah I've been using something I should have I think oh I should have known the name but I, it's I think it's ESL videos and basically mm-hmm. they've used um little videos from potentially a little Disney movie and they've got yeah. right yeah yeah you, you know what I'm talking about and then mm-hmm. like it might be on prepositions and then you can each right. time there's a preposition in the video it stops yeah oh nice <laughs> nice yeah, that's really cool. yeah. That's why I I, fi- I have figured out with the, the little they the littler they are, the more that I have to change my activities often. And I'm like, you mm. know, I have some students that I'm like, oh, I have this one board game, and I know it will take them the whole entire time to work <laughs> on this one board game. And then I have some that it's like I have to have like a new activity every five minutes, or I'm gonna lose them. So I think giving mm-hmm. them that variety of something that you know is entertaining, and like you said, they don't know that it's educational. Um, I had a student today. I love wordless videos too. I'll use that oh. and then pause it. And I'm like, you don't even know that I got you to say the word carrot because we're working on K <laughs> five times about this bunny video that you just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yes. I yeah. love wordless. They're amazing. They're so great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's. I think it sounds like another great resource that people could use to kind of add to their toolbox of having a variety for those little kids. Yeah, I like it also because I think, I mean, I in an ideal world, I'd recommend that parents are watching it with the child. Um, right. But I think what it does really nicely is that it um, also shows the strategies that the parents can use in the video. Like, so the child's getting the entertainment and then the parent can also see what the child's working on mm-hmm. um, and be able to support them as well. So I feel like, yeah, it's kind of beneficial for both. And I, I forgot to say also um, the next phase also is to try and so I, I'm piloting it in a couple of um, preschools as well at mm-hmm. the moment. Um, but the resources look a little bit different for the whole class versus the parent resources. So right. I'm hoping that, yeah, spread spread the word of oral language and the importance before school and those early literacy skills and right. Yeah. I feel like um, phonological awareness is something that 
we as speech language pathologists know so much about, but never get to use or very rarely get to use because there's always like a classroom teacher or a reading specialist that kind of that's their door mm-hmm. domain and they don't realize like we have expertise in that too. Mm-hmm. And yes. I know that's something like my sister has mentioned. She's like, you know, she has some, uh, a daughter with um, who's dyslexic and she's like, I don't know why no one ever worked on this and no one ever targeted this. And it kind of fell through the cracks. And I'm like, well, a speech therapist could do that. And she's like, really? <laughs> but yes. I, think, I think that's what happens is they don't end up mm-hmm. doing it in schools because there's so many other things that they have to do. So I love that idea of kind of having that tiered approach where you provide some of that expertise at a whole classroom level, and then you're able to more catch those kids that really need you one-on-one. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, it's really difficult because I go you know, do we need to advocate harder as speech pathologists to talk about that we um, do literacy? I mean, I love mm-hmm. that in the States you applaud speech language pathologists, right. therapists, sorry. Yep, yep, pathologists. <laughs> we still, we keep the pathologists. Yeah, we like to stick the language in there whenever we can. Although yeah. all of my kids call it coming to speech. Even if it's just language, they call it, we're going to speech or speech yeah. teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, you meet so many people and everyone's like, oh, yeah, so you work on lists. I'm like, mm, yeah. <laughs> yes. And because, yeah, I think that knowledge of language is still not widespread. Um, right. Definitely in Australia in terms of that that's what we <laughs> specialize in. So and, it, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, is, is the title in Australia speech pathologist, not speech language pathologist? Yeah, just speech oh, pathologist. Yeah, so, so I think we—I I would like to see us move towards. <laughs> we need to start advocating for that. You know, say yeah. we need to change the name of our our title here, our our profession, to speech language yeah. pathology. If if we Maybe. put everything in there that we do, though, oh, that would be like the longest <laughs> title ever. <That's laughs> no true. one would use it. <laughs> There's speech some t-shirts. language voice swallowing. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, it's and, true. And that scope of practice keeps getting longer and longer in, yeah. in, yeah, and we're supposed it does, to, doesn't it? And, yeah, and here, I think, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I was here in the States. You're supposed to train people in two years to do this, you know, and, and it's crazy trying to squeeze all that in. Yeah. So do you have a, a four year degree and then a master's as well, or is it? <clears throat> yeah. So the, in, in the States, it's a minimum uh, entry into the profession is a master's degree. Okay. Okay. And then you get, you have a clinical fellowship year. Um, okay. And you don't have, you don't have to have an undergraduate degree in speech, but then you have to take some, if you, if you want to get a master's in speech, you have to take some leveling courses Okay. Uh, before you can come in. Okay. Yeah. Cause when I did it, um, we only graduated with a bachelor. Um, so it meant that we couldn't work in the States, which is really upsetting. <laughs> right. We have to requalify. But now the same degree, um, they are finishing with a master's, I think, for that reason. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably others. But, yeah, it was still a four-year degree. Yeah. I, I, I think here, just we're getting off topic, but I think here it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be a, a, a clinical doctorate before over the next 10 years is my prediction. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, okay. Because, uh, you know, we just keep adding to the scope of practice and, and there's just really, really no way to do 
a decent job of training students in two years to work mm. with children and adults across all you know all age range as as we say at the university here where i am is you know from the womb to the tomb um <laughs> we are supposed to be responsible for all these things and so it's it's really hard it's it's hard yeah to get definitely <laughs> so sorry I, I took that off track didn't i no 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 and and uh, what the most important part of this interview is what happens next which oh. is 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 what we call our moment of zen oh yes <laughs> so we have three different lists of questions we have list a list b and list c and we ask our guests to choose one of the lists and we'll just ask some mm -hmm. questions and it's just a way to get to know our guests a little bit more on a personal level not okay. too personal okay. but just okay <laughs> That so, good. so which list do you, would you like to have, A, B, or C? Oh, A, B, or C. Mm -hmm. um, let's go with B. B. Everyone wants B the last few times. It's in the middle. Well, you can choose for me if you'd like no, to no, choose. No, no, no. B, B is <laughs> fine. B is fine. Okay, here we go. First question is, would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? An introvert or an extrovert? Mm -hmm. um, ooh, tricky one. Okay, so I would say extrovert. Okay. But I do need my own time as well. <laughs> so, yeah. What was the term? It's, it's no. an omnivert. Omnivert. <laughs> an omnivert. An omnivert. Like an omnivore. So that's a bit of both. Omnivert. Okay, there you that's go. a bit of both. I like it. A okay, an omnivert. That's what yeah. I am. <laughs> Good. Uh, next question is, what's the best compliment you've received? Ooh, best compliment I've received. It's a tricky one. Mm. <laughs> um. Oh, okay. So, best compliment that I have received. Do they give compliments in Australia? <laughs> is, that, is that the problem? They, they're they not say, very complimentary. They just, say, they just say, you're doing all right, mate. You're doing all you're right. You're doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh it shouldn't be that difficult, should it? Oh. I mean, I try to, like, the ones that always stay with me most are definitely from parents um, huh. when they yeah. say, yeah, you know, you've, oh, you've, you've changed our lives, which, you know, what could be better than that when, sure. they're, you know, they've got a child who, yeah, was really frustrated and, you know, couldn't communicate and finally they're at a point that they can and they their behavior is completely changed as well. And the families are just like, oh, we were on eggshells now. Yeah, so I'll have to say. Okay, that's great. <laughs> I've, changed my, I've changed their child's life. That's a pretty big compliment. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, next question is, uh, who has been the most influential person in your life and how did he or she impact you? Ooh, Okay, well, I'm going to go my my dad here. <laughs> okay. I hope my mom's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen um, to podcasts. 
Yeah, dad's always been a big a big dreamer. Um mm. as far as yeah, he's always, I guess, encouraged us to go for what we want. Mm-hmm. And he was the first person that I went to with this kind of crazy idea. <laughs> as go. far as, you know, I wanna I wanna build something that's edutainment. I wanna make mm-hmm. get speech pathology out to as many children as possible. I wanna serve, yeah, people that can't be um can't get to those services so yeah he was really supportive I actually um I actually had to move back home for a little bit to uh yeah so that I could put all my funds into (laughs) Lexi Mm -hmm. Lou Learning um so again very supportive there um and it's just yeah I guess I've always kind of seen him take some some risks for what he's passionate about so that's yeah, has made me the way I am, I think. But he's also very resilient when those things don't work out. So I think that's also something I am resilient. <laughs> good, good. That's awesome. Um, what do people misunderstand most about you? Oh, what do people misunderstand? Mm-hmm. Mm. I guess, hmm, (laughs) well, I'm often smiling. Mm -hmm. Yes, we've noticed. (laughs) Even when I'm really nervous. (laughs) (laughs) I cover it up with all emotions. (laughs) So I think, yeah, I was going to say, going back to the introvert, extrovert thing, I Mm -hmm. think like, yeah, when I'm with people, it's very... Often I'm very extroverted and, but then I think they don't expect that I actually quite enjoy my downtime and mm-hmm. being by myself, but yeah, they also, <laughs> that's good. They, they can't, they can't read if a smile is, yeah, <laughs> nerves or happiness or yeah. Or she never stops smiling. What's wrong with her? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stress. It's, it's definitely stress. That right. There's a big smile when I'm stressed as well. <laughs> we went to the funeral. She just sat there smiling the whole time. <laughs> I do have to be careful there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So next question is um, kind of similar, but uh, what's something surprising that you've learned about yourself? I think resilience. Resilience. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, with this project in particular, um, Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of sort of knockbacks and, you know, is Mm -hmm. where's the right place to take this and stay in your lane, speech pathologist. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, I think resilience is definitely one that I've, I've learned. Because I'm just going to keep going. There you go. There you go. Good. I I just saw the other day that uh, a quote that, you know, when this was, this was, you know, many years ago, but Walt Disney went to 450 something banks to try to get funding for Disneyland. And it was (laughs) like 453 or something like that. Wow. That gave him the money to start Disneyland. Isn't that amazing? And he just Imagine kept, if he stopped. Oh. Yeah. He just kept going. He just said, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else. And he just kept trying to find banks that would support him. And he finally found one. So, yeah, I do. I, I do love all of his quotes around, you know, if you can, if you can dream it, 
That's right. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. Like you it. can do exactly. it. That's right. So would that be a favorite quote? So my question is, do you have a favorite quote? Oh, <laughs> well, that's tied in nicely. It definitely yeah. is. Um, it definitely is a favorite quote. Good. Um, another, well, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to give you another one, but. Sure. I, Go ahead. Yeah. Although I, it, it actually came from a, a school principal and it was only because I was talking um, about this particular quote with a preschool teacher yesterday mm-hmm. and we the whole concept was that like people are doing the best that they know how, which I think is something that's always stuck with me since that principal said that. Cause I used to, yeah, I guess potentially be a little bit maybe judgmental of, right. Um, right. Yeah. Of, you know, potentially if, if parents weren't able to complete all the practice that I've given them or if, you know, right. but then you slowly realize that, yeah, but I'd say, well, Walt Disney, Walt Disney's quote. <laughs> I like both of them. Yeah, I do. Too. And, and and I like I like what you're I like the context there of of what they said because I think something that comes up for me and because I work mostly with kids and 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 young children with hearing loss and and families and I think what in in a similar vein it's you know they they made the best decision they could at the time. Mm, yeah. You know, based on the information they had at the time. Um It's true. And I, and I think that is, I think we, we need to, to give um, ourselves as well as the families we're working with some grace that maybe, you know, they made the best decision that they could at that point in time, based on the information they had. And the same with us, yeah. you know, we, you know, instead of regretting, why didn't I do this? And why didn't I do that? And well, you made the best decision you could. You know, Definitely. now you, you've learned more. So now you make an even better decision once you've had different yeah. experiences. Definitely. I remember once um, <clears throat> when I was working at the school, I was feeling really frustrated with this one particular parent because mm-hmm. this child just really needed that support at home and we just yeah. weren't getting anywhere. Right. And I ended up, you know, pulling the parent in for a meeting. And what I was sending mm-hmm. home was, reading um mm-hmm. reading homework and the mom came in and she said look to be honest like I can't read it I can't I can't do it so mm. that was a big lesson for me as far as understanding right. yeah potentially why or where people are coming from and that's when I yeah I started making some little videos for mm-hmm. her and then she could take them home which again I guess that's what I yeah that was the I seed can't. of what you're doing <laughs> now so that's exactly. great yeah so next question is, how would you, how do you define success? Whew. How do you define success? Hmm. I think, I mean, for me, it's around trying, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um so I guess knowing knowing that you've put all you can into something, mm-hmm. um, but not at the cost of, I guess, <laughs> you know, your <laughs> mental health or your sanity. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's something that I'm so – I'm also – 
learning to define this as well because I think yeah I think initially it used to be well you have to reach all these targets and you have to reach all these goals and Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. realistically not everything goes the way that we hope it will so I think yeah measuring it in that you're taking steps towards something and that Mm -hmm. you're trying um you need to give yourself a pat on the back for that (laughs) yeah I think that's great I think that's perfect Mm -hmm. um in a kind of similar thing uh what's the best advice a mentor ever gave you about work or life Mm. i would say just keep moving forward (laughs) so even if you're taking a step in the wrong direction Mm -hmm. still just keep moving forward because it'll ultimately lead you back to where where you need to be so just keep taking small steps perfect and also if you're not 15 minutes early you're late apparently (laughs) (laughs) a recent one which (laughs) i'm trying Uh, to get i'm late now i'm even more late (laughs) (laughs) one of my One of my uh, undergrad students plays volleyball, and she just said the same thing that her coach said. <laughs> of course, it was five minutes. So if you're, if yeah, so if you're not five minutes early to any team meeting, you're already late. So you know they have to run laps and do things when they're not there. <laughs> well, she said she actually got that from New York from when she was working there. So apparently, that's yeah. a, a New York that, thing. Yeah, that's Being a thing. That must must be must be. Um. So, Laura, what's a what's a hack that you've discovered that can be any kind of hack or something you've discovered or, uh, that's a strategy or a shortcut, oh, shortcut, anything could be could yeah, be. Yeah, no, I like it. <laughs> I like it. I um, <laughs> I was actually hanging out my washing yesterday. <laughs> I was getting frustrated with how long it takes to, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if this is appropriate, but yeah, how long it takes to like hang your, un- like each individual pair of underwear on the line, uh-huh. it takes a long time. So then I looked over to my right and I saw, um, you know, those exercise stretchy bands. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I thought, okay, I'm going to take that. And I just weaved it through. Uh and then i just hung the string up on the line and it saved me a solid i think three minutes (laughs) (laughs) hey see where i live it's been like 110 degrees fahrenheit this whole summer so very very hot i should do that more often and it could could be dry in like five minutes (laughs) i have to use my dryer there you go You've got no excuse to use that, no right? I know, I know. <laughs> Except for the red dirt that's everywhere that would get on everything. That's my excuse, I guess. Yeah. Okay, well, that's, yeah. We it, it is raining all the time here at the moment, so I probably should use the dryer off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last question. If heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say when you enter the pearly gates? Oh, so I've entered. I have <laughs> you, you have entered. You did make it. You did make okay, it into. Okay. But, but you're stopped at the gate, though. 
Okay, because you know, if if there was a if he was doing a like a list like a bouncer, I'd want to <laughs> know that my name was there. So that would be <laughs> mm-hmm. positive. Um, I guess. Um, oh, what would I want him to say? Okay, so I would want him to say, "Welcome. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you're in the right place. <laughs> mm-hmm. We here are proud of what you've done." Like mm-hmm. that, we know that you gave it your all. Come in and lie by the pool. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a, <laughs> a a cold coconut. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> there you go. That's that sounds wonderful. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Laura. Now, th- this is a special request, and uh, yes. you have to you have to put on your your best acting. Um, use your best Ooh. acting skills. Okay. Okay. So, in your best American accent, <laughs> how can people find Lipsy Lou and reach out to you when they need, if they want to learn more about what you're doing? Oh, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have to choose which American accent I'm going to go for. Oh, look at <laughs> like, do that. I do a real, like, uh, you know, <laughs> Brooklyn, like a Brooklyn accent. Proper Brooklyn accent, you know. I, like I don't know. <laughs> How about just a like a Midwestern standard? Okay, okay. Is that harder. I feel <laughs> like that might be harder. <laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna. Okay, so if you'd like to find me, <laughs> go to www.lipsylulearning.com. Or you can find me on YouTube because I do actually have some little videos there. Um, so, Lipsy, Lip- oh, I've got back into the Australian accent. <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing that great. That was a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Lipsy the Learning, or find me on socials as well if you'd like to potentially direct your families there for some everyday tips that they can. Uh, yeah, using their everyday life to boost their children's language and literacy learning. <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah, that I think you it. sounded like Nicole Kidman. So there you go. <laughs> that must be the Australians doing American accents. How they sound? Uh, I, I, you know, I personally think Nicole could learn from you. I mean, I think you need so, to teach oh, Nicole. If you think, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that that's that original speech pathologist was onto something when she said I could teach actors, I could Right. <laughs> there you go. Right. Exactly. Maybe exactly. she'll get in touch with me after this podcast. Exactly. There you go. Yep. There you go. <laughs> well, Laura, thank you for joining us and and please uh come back uh when you continue to perfect Lipsy Lou and add more things and, and yep. give us an update. We'd love to I would learn love more. to. Thank you so much. Yep. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. A lot of fun. Well, that was Laura Green joining us from Australia. Please check out what she's doing with Lipsy Lou. So go over to the website and uh, sign up. Check it out. Maybe you can use it with the parents you are serving. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us on this episode. Please, if you don't mind, rate, review, Subscribe, follow, or share this episode and this podcast with others that whom you think will enjoy it. We would really appreciate that. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. That helps us to attract new listeners and new subscribers as well. And until next week, 
be safe, and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.